turned 18, I had a, a moment with God in a hammock by myself, um, and that turned me into seeking after him, chasing after him, wanting to grow and develop, and I had no idea what I was doing. And I, I can kind of relate to most things that have been mentioned this morning about spiritually immature, emotionally immature. Um, generally, I was probably just physically immature as well um, in most of the things that I was doing. But what actually happened was Pastor Pete and Del had a life group that they were running out in Highfields. And he actually took the time to have me rock up randomly every, I think it was like a Wednesday night, to come out and spend time with them and just get to learn. And I was so hungry to get to understand who God was, what he was doing in our lives, what that meant for me. And I remember, for want of a better word, it was almost like this amazing joy for about a year. And this year persisted where I was getting filled, but I realized that sometimes the goodness of God and the realities of who he is and what he does in our lives can wash over us. And when that first happens, it's this amazing experience. But then as time goes on, there's this thing that happens, which is kind of the mundane and the boring. And we realize that God's approach and purpose in our life wasn't actually to wow us and to continue to wow us and to be this this uh, celebrity that sits on a stage or this person, but he actually wanted to become our spouse, our intimate understanding, our, our knowledge, our relationship. He wants to know everything about us. And, and it's a bit of a weird situation because he already knows everything about us. He already knows all of our mistakes, all of our issues. He knows he created us, he formed us in our mother's womb. But he wants to take us on this journey for development and growth. And ultimately, it's really just him sitting and watching us develop and grow. And I feel like, Peter, that, that was really what you guys just get to sit there and watch me grow and develop in this, this relationship. And I tried to come up with something that was going to be really cool. And it's amazing how quick you can be slapped across the knuckles and told to just calm down when you think you can make it all about yourself or about what can go on. And you realise that actually God wants to speak to you guys this morning. And it's not just, um, it's nothing that I could really bring, but it's just him. Um, the word revival gets used so much. And I, I found myself in the last couple of months almost, almost getting churned by the idea of revival. Because I'd seen so many times people talk about revival where you're getting these people and this might sound a bit crash, but you just grab crass. You're grabbing people off the street you're throwing Jesus at them and you're churning him out into church and being like, sit in the pews and how good is this? We've got revival. But the essence of revival in itself in the word is to actually bring life, to breathe life back into something that was once alive, something that experienced life, something you're actually taking it back to where it has been, which means that revival starts with you and me here right now because originally there was a time in your life where God spoke, God's done something, there's been an experience, whether it was just the first experience of belonging. When you come to a church and you felt like, I belong. And then in time, as it just transpires, all of a sudden you get bored. I talk about this, I feel like every time I come here, that I talk about my family and my experience with my wife because to me, the relationship with my God and my wife has been such one, uh, it's almost like a triangulation of, if I want to know what's going wrong with my relationship with God, I look to my wife. If I want to know what's going wrong with my wife, I look to God. And funnily enough, I'm always at the beginning and the end. It's me. But it's this triangulation effect of realizing that, you know, my wife loves me and maybe I should serve her. 
Sometimes there's things going on in life that I just, I get so distracted about the cool things, the good things. I get to go to work. I get to go and I get to make money. I get to run a business. I have employees. I have people looking up to me. I get this glory for want of a better word because people are looking to me. But my wife is carrying my children at home. My wife is doing all the hard yards and I don't think about closing up my underwear drawer. Or I don't forget, uh, you know, my wife might ask me, can I empty the rubbish? And I'll do it. But she's like, but you don't put the bag back in. And I'm like, oh, you know, there's these things that they just catch you. They catch you because I, look, I can speak for myself. And I believe I speak for everyone here that's in a relationship or been in a relationship or understands when you want to do your best, but you just don't get there. You're, you're wanting to impress. You want to, to show this person how much you love them. But you get to this situation where they're looking at you and going, you've, you've fallen short. You've missed the mark. And I realise that intimacy generally is done in the common. And unfortunately, we have taken away from the idea we're holy and set apart. That is what we are. And I'm trying to see if I can uh, correlate this to how we're doing life. You see, God is calling you holy and set apart and he loves you and he is more than forgiving. He is also asking us to step out and to do things. And I think the word this morning was absolutely perfect and spot on. And that idea that we can be doing life where we're in the trenches. And, you know, I've, I've become very guilty of this, even in, in my marriage and in my relationship with God, where I end up. I'm in the trench, I'm throwing grenades, I'm firing shots, but I've got my head down and I'm not worried about making ground. I'm just worried about surviving. Um, and I don't know about you, but I feel like this morning that God's asking me just to talk about our intimacy with him, to speak about how do we develop and how do we grow these things so that the mundane and the boring can actually relate to the exciting and the revival and the experience of life. I... Um, come here oh, three years almost, two, two and a bit. It's, going, it's my third year here in Toowoomba again. Um, I come back from Gundawindi and when I came back, I was broken and hurt and I didn't think I liked floor coverings. I probably, it's a love-hate relationship that I have with my job. I, I love to hate it and it hates to love me. Um, but in that process, I started working at a retirement village and what we'd have to do every Tuesday afternoon, you have to go through and there was... 83 bins, 83, there was the red lids, then there was the yellow, and so you just, there's bins, 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 and it was this process, and you have to go, and you'd put uh, bags in them, and this process of putting a bag in the bin is really simple until you start going through so many of them, and you realise, man, I've got to get this bag to open up, and you realise that you start, you can do all the work yourself, or you can start using systems or things to help align that process such as the wind is blowing and it's always blowing in Toowoomba we're on a hill it's wonderful but if you open up the bag you can get it to catch the wind but sometimes that process seems to take forever I've thought sometimes that they must just every you know packet of bags might put one in ten where they just don't have an opening um, but you sit there and you're trying to get this open and I feel like this analogy and the frustration of like, it should be so simple. Like I've done it 10 times before, but now I can't get this bag full of air. So I'm going to stick it in a bin and keep moving. 
I say this because I wanted to sort of get this analogy that sometimes our lives and our relationship with God and our intimacy, it's been so easy in times gone past because the wind's blowing right and you open the right door at the right time. You just, you've done the right thing and all of a sudden God's love and his kindness fill you up and you go, I understand this. This is great. Like I am being fulfilled in my relationship with God because this wind is going through But then sometimes you're doing exactly the same thing and you find yourself stuck going, it doesn't matter what I do, I cannot get this bag to fill up. I can't seem to get my life to be full of this joy. I can't seem to make this work. And I'm coming back to the point that this that we're talking about is our intimacy with him. That there is little things that we can do. It says, if you love me, you will follow my command. If you love me, you will obey me. And this is where it comes to me feeling like it's a bit of a dirty word that you're going to obey, you're going to submit, you're going to do all these words that we hear in church and to be honest, they just, they grate on me a little bit because most times this language that we use isn't used in context or it's not used with definition. So when I say one word, we've got 70 different experiences of what that word means. And so when I'm talking about intimacy this morning, I want to talk about it in a way that hopefully if I can bring it back to some actions or some some parables per se, that maybe we could try and get to the stage of realising that God has been there the entire time. Because this is the process that I found. When that bag doesn't open up, we start to change how we view him our idea and our ideology of him we pull back we have moments where we go our relationships are starting to fall apart we may have uh, relationships that end that for want of a better word we have these moments where we have done church before and everything was going great but now we look at our lives and we go but look at the baggage that's put that's happened because of what has gone on but God hasn't looked at you and said you're any worse you're any less worth it God's gone, the whole time this has been a matter of discipline and I love the fact that I've got some children to learn this from because it doesn't matter how many times I ask them to do the same thing, I can guarantee a different response from each time and I can ask them, like, hey, can you please pick this up and Manny will go and he'll pick it up and I'll be like, man, this is great, like, I'm a great dad and then I can go and go, hey, can you say sorry to your brother and that will be repeated ten times. And then I end up going, okay, you're now crying, you're flogged, you're in your room. There's all, every, every consequence that I thought shouldn't have had to be used, had to be used to get him to go to the point where I'm like, okay, you've now done the right thing. I get to thank you for doing that. And I'm like, man, I am so much like my children. You know, God literally says, do what's right. Like, you know, just continue doing good. Trust me. And that's the, the funny part we're talking about. We don't have to buy his love. We don't have to buy his goodness. We don't, we don't pay for any of it. Romans, it goes through this process of going, look, the world's not so great. This is what's happening. This is the Gentile situation. This is the Jewish situation. Unfortunately, the Jews are now being cut off and you've been grafted in. You've got this grace of God. This is how this is working. And you go through the whole journey that it gets to, and don't be proud. It gets into Romans 11. Don't be proud about it. Remember that you will be removed just as quick as the Jewish people were, and they'll be put back in. And then you get finally to, now, because of this, therefore, offer your lives as living sacrifices. And it's this process of realising that God has this journey for us 
as this journey that we're going on. And it's not looking at the past of what has transpired because guess what? We've all made mistakes. We've all stepped further away from his glory. We've all stepped out. We've all made the common common. We've all turned the holy into common. We've all gone through that process where we go, God is good. We know that. But the answer of how does this outwork comes back to our submission to going, you know what? Let's watch his grace abound even more. That even though I've made that mistake, I get to go and say, no, I'm going to trust in the goodness of this salvation that God has given us freely. I'm going to trust in the goodness of who he is. And I get to learn and develop who is God. I just wanted to read a couple of, or two chapters really. But um, in Psalms 23, if you would like to turn to it. I uh, got a bit lazy and thought, I'll just read it from my phone rather than writing it out word for word. (laughs) But this is Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. Adonai is my shepherd. I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible, by the way, just in case you go, what? Um, uh, Psalm of David. Adonai is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He has me lie down in grassy pastures. He leads me by quiet waters. He restores my inner person. He guides me in right paths. And for the sake of his own name, even if I pass through the death-dark ravines, I will fear no disaster, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. You prepare a table for me, even as my enemies watch. You anoint my head with oil from an overflowing cup. Goodness and grace will pursue me every day of my life. And I will live in the house of Adonai for years and years to come. Just want to pray. Father... This morning, I just ask that you would open me up and you would pull me out so that my life would be a living example of your goodness and that I would be able to be open and honest and share the brokenness within me. Lord God, that this would bring hope and life, Father God, and this would not distract from your goodness. But Lord, may your words be held in their hearts and may your words echo deeply in Jesus' name. Amen. So... I just wanted to talk about this process because I feel this need to excite and invite you to this glorious life of Christianity, this glorious life of understanding who God is. You see, God is my father. He is Adonai to me. He is intimately known and I can trust and I can curl up in his arms. And I've been doing this for some time now. But you see, I, I still have mistakes. I still have a journey. I still have uh, a situations that arise. Um, I'm using, for example, I've got a business that we run. And in this business, we are interacting with customers. We're interacting with employees. And this process gets to the point of frustration for me because I just want them to see the world how I see it. I want them to see God how I see him. I want them to live out of that revelation. And I found that sometimes you can be at work and we've got, I've got seven or eight people and one of them will have a go at another. And it's amazing how quick something that's so lighthearted can become the very bane of my existence of the bickering and fighting and like, they're like children. (laughs) But this process where... Something that was said, it's been taken on, it's caused offence and hurt. But the offence and hurt hasn't really come from that. 
word that was spoken, what that word did was it opened up a wound that was being carried. And then I realized that my job as an employer is, yes, to have work for them, but my job as a person that God has called me to is to continually address these wounds that are hidden because as life goes on, it oxidizes over and you kind of go on thinking, this is part of me. And you carry these familiar spirits, you carry these familiarities with you that when things happen, you'll have these moments and they talk about it in the essence of the straw that broke the camel's back. But in time, it'll be these one moments or these one events that happen that actually bring back the pain of an unresolved past. An unresolved past is one that hasn't been brought to the cross and processed through with our Father that loves us and wants to show us that there is growth and love and kindness through this journey of pain, horror and despair. And I experience this daily with these these people where I understand that I need to be that person for them that can take their abuse and turn it back on goodness to take their aggression and to turn it back with kindness, to take their disappointment and give them back hope because I get to process and I get the opportunity to respond as opposed to react. But I get all of this out of my relationship with my father. I don't get this because I go to church. I don't get this because I know God. I get this because I'm with God. You see, I I know about my father, but unless I'm holding his hand, unless I'm embracing him, it's one thing to know about him, but it's another thing to actually receive his goodness. It's another thing to actually receive his kind words, to go, you're loved, it's okay, it's fine, you're loved, (laughs) and to actually take that on board. You see, in this process, I wanted to read Psalms 27. It's once again, David, a man after God's own heart, says, Adonai is my light and my salvation. Whom do I need to fear? Adonai is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When evildoers assailed me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they stumbled and fell. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If war breaks out against me, even then will I keep on trusting. Just one thing I have asked of Adonai, only this will I seek, to live in the house of Adonai all the days of my life, to see the beauty of Adonai and visit his temple. For he will conceal me in his shelter and on the day of trouble. He will hide me in the folds of his tent. He will set me high on a rock and then my head will be lifted high up above my surrounding foes, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing praises to Adonai. Listen, Adonai, my voice when I cry, show favor to me and answer me. My heart said of you, seek my face, and your face, Adonai, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me and don't turn your servant away in anger. You are my help. Don't abandon me. Don't leave me. God, my saviour, Even though my father and mother have left me, Adonai will care for me. Teach me of your way. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Don't give up on the whims of my foes. For false witnesses have risen against me and those who are breathing violence. If I hadn't believed that I would see Adonai's goodness in the land of the living, put my hope in Adonai and be strong. 
and let your heart take courage. Yes, put your hope in Adonai. See, this journey that we're going on is we're being created for goodness. God's created good things for us to do. This isn't a feel-good process as much as it is as a you are good and this is my journey I have for you. The depths of God just keep on going. It just keeps on getting deeper. Sometimes you feel like you've read a book, you open the pages, but there just seems to be more and more and more unfolding. My, my wife makes bath bombs and in that she puts colour pigmentation and she says I get in the road, which is true, but in the process of it, I'll be like, I want to help her stir some dry powders together and Anyway, I get kicked out then by the time it gets to actually doing something useful. Uh, but I noticed that I've done this process, but there's something that will happen in about a couple of hours' time when I decide to blow my nose. All of a sudden, I've got green and yellow and purple snot and pink. And I'm like, what? It's this process of these powders are so potent. And you see the goodness of God and the potency of God is it just keeps on coming, it keeps on going, it keeps on moving, it keeps on flowing. And this potency that God has in our lives, sometimes we've got to understand that we're the ones that shut up on Him. We're the ones that give up on Him. His goodness never ends. His faithfulness will not cease. But sometimes life happens and we close off. But He's just as good, just as loving to open us up and to be there as if nothing had ever happened to go through that process. And he's asking, he's pleading with his church, with his bride to come back to that intimacy. I believe this season that we're in is to literally go back. Revival is on our doorstep, but not like we expect. Revival is going to be us being fulfilled. If you're not being fulfilled, we're not in revival. If you're not being understanding if you're not getting the joy from your relationship with him we're not there yet because there is joy that is right there at the clasp of what we're going to do the joy is not going to come by the actions of the church the joy is going to come by our hearts and our decisions that we make internally and then we will see our pews filled we will see our buildings overrun we will see God doing amazing things but it's going to come in the vast change of opposition. I know this week has been for me a particularly opposing week. Amen. <laughs> this process of realizing that I could have agreed at any one of the stages this week with the words that were spoken over me, with the feelings that overcome with my health, but instead I chose to ask, hey God, what do you have for this? And I was led by his peace. He's like, you're fine. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. It's going to be okay. I had multiple people going, I think you should just cancel everything. Something's not right with you. You're wrong. You're, there's something wrong with you. And I was ill, but I had a peace to know that I'm like, this isn't, this isn't of God. This is something to take away from what God wants to do. And I'm going to stand in that confidence and that peace, knowing that, yes, I'm not feeling well. Yes, these things aren't going right but I'm going to stand and I'm going to act. I stand here this morning 90% healed from everything that has happened this week simply because I just stood 
sometimes God's just asking us to stand. And this morning, I wanted to challenge us and to invite us to just continue to stand. Because I don't know what's going on in your world right now, but I know that he does. And I don't know what he's asking you to do, but I know he does. And I would love to pray that God would open up that that seal in our hearts, that we would chase after his intimacy, that we would chase after his presence, knowing that his presence, he, he doesn't want to meet us here right now, to be honest. He wants to meet us tonight at 8 o'clock. He wants to meet us Monday morning at 5 a.m., Tuesday at 10.30. He wants to meet us Thursday afternoon at 4.14. It's the process of he wants to meet us in the mundane. My wife and I, this is the going back to the final moment, is that our intimacy and our joyful moments are accumulation of the 4.14 putting the bin out, of the 7.30 a.m., making the bed it comes from the disciplines of realizing that this joy that I'm going to receive this hope that I have is what strives and what empowers me to work out and to walk out my journey with him I'd love to all stand for a moment I'd love to pray with you I don't know if the band want to come back or let Peter decide Um, but father I just want to Lift every individual up here this morning that has heard these words and ask that your will be done and your kingdom come in their lives. Lord God, knowing the struggles and the circumstances that are at play today, knowing the battles and the clouds that have been over us, Lord God, knowing that you move them simply with your word. And Father, right now we just speak your word of life over every body and individual in this place. Lord God, we speak life into every heart and every mind that we would be able to lay down the doubt, we'd be able to lay down the pain, lay down the hurts, Father God, and that right now you would meet us where we are. May your spirit encapsulate our bodies right now, Father God. May you move in our hearts and solve those issues, Lord God. Give peace. We speak peace to those turmoil. We speak peace to that pain. Father, right now, knowing that you are good, you are holy, and you have called us to be holy and set apart. And right now, Father God, we just lift you up and we honor you because you are the reason that we are here this morning. You are the purpose and you are the life. And Father, we just honor you and we worship you in this moment and we give you the glory, Father, forever and ever. Amen.